Our family got home from traveling to Thanksgiving festivities late on Friday night, and after pulling into the driveway and, and taking the kids up, our kids are at the age where um, maybe one of them was asleep and the other ones pretended to be asleep, just just to get carried in, in, into the house. Um, uh, we we got we unpacked our, our, our van. I, I I finally got to do something after waiting and waiting for ten months. For 10 months, I went to the garage and I pulled out what is probably my favorite storage bin in the entire garage. The one that is, is labeled Christmas Legos. <laughs> Christmas, Christmas Legos. You see in the roadie house, there's Legos, the toys that my kids play with. And then there's Christmas Legos, dad's decorations. <laughs> I let my kids play with them too. Don't worry. Lego releases a a few Christmas-themed sets every year, and I got my first when I was eight or nine, and over the years, they've just kind of... We've we've got piles and piles of Christmas Legos, and it's it's great. Uh, So, of course, after the kids woke up on Saturday morning, they saw that they were were all out. They they noticed them. They started playing with them. They they saw the wooden uh, wreath that we use with our Advent candles every year. And, And during breakfast, we talked about anticipating Christmas, about what it would have been like to look forward to, to Jesus' birth, about what it means for us today as we look forward to Jesus' return. The four-year-old talked about Jesus living in her heart, and, and the nine-year-old uh, corrected her and said that, you know, I once thought that Jesus was really small and literally was in my heart. And, and then the six-year-old sat with a perplexed look. What does anticipate mean? Words like patient or eager or, or longing kind of uh, popped into my mind. But instead of using those words, I, I went with a baseball metaphor that probably confused him more than it helped. I, I should have said, for the last 10 months, I have been anticipating pulling out my Christmas Legos. I have been waiting, I have been hoping, I have been excited for pulling out those Christmas Legos. I anticipated this day for nearly an entire year. And Advent is about an even deeper, longer type of waiting. So as we anticipate Christmas here at WPC, we're going to explore the the four different titles used in Isaiah that are often attributed to Jesus. You you might recognize them from, from Handel's Messiah. It's Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, now this part of Isaiah was a poem or an oracle that was, was really written to announce the birth of a royal prince. And it wasn't necessarily referring to Jesus at first. Isaiah prophesied during a time when, when Jerusalem was under all kinds of unrest, all kinds of constant attack from their neighbors. And this was over 700 years before Jesus was born. It was likely a a, a hymn that was written for a coronation service for a king named Hezekiah, who who many people thought would be the one that would end multiple years of oppression. Or it was written celebrating another less known king who who still fell in line of the king of David. But, But what we'll see during our journey through the scripture passage during Advent is... 
there were multiple kings that came and none of them really fulfilled the role that Jesus ultimately fulfilled. So the reality is Hezekiah and the other kings, they, they didn't deliver. Ultimately, the people had to wait quite a bit longer. Now today, when we read Isaiah's words, we read them through a, a little bit of a different lens. We think of Jesus and Jesus coming with hope, peace, joy, and love, what we, we celebrate as we light the Advent candles each and every Sunday. But the world today is still incredibly broken. So as we await Jesus' return, we resonate with some of what Isaiah wrote, some of that, that, that longing, knowing that things can be better, knowing that things should be better. Starting at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, we read this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So on our, our drive back home on, on Friday night, uh, as some of our kids were sleeping, as others were pretending to sleep, my, my wife mentioned that we forgot to go around the Thanksgiving table like we normally do on Thanksgiving and, and share what we were grateful for. So as our kids were, were sitting in the back, we, we had this conversation. She asked, so, so what is it that you are grateful for? And, and most years, something comes to mind rather quickly. Most years I, I can think of, well, this is the reason I'm, I'm grateful. Last year, when we spent a lot of time distancing, when we spent a lot of time in our family, there was still something to be grateful for. It was, it was really easy for me. I, I said, well, you know what? I'm grateful that we, we slowed down, that we got more time together as a family. I was grateful for that in 2020. I was grateful for the pace of life. But this year, 2021, has been different for, for whatever reason. It, it's been different. It's been harder, at least for me. So I had to think for a while. As we drove, I had to think, and I, I listed a few general things, and then I, I said something um, that, that was just kind of honest. I said, well, I, I guess I'm grateful that things weren't worse. Just the sort of encouraging word you wanted to hear the first Sunday of Advent, right? I guess I'm grateful that things weren't, weren't worse. I had expectations for 2021, personally, for our family, professional with, professionally with my, my writing here at church. I had expectations of how 2021 was going to look. 
And maybe they were just too lofty or too wrapped up in the hope that, that somehow where we were in the pandemic was going to be different from where we are now and the world was going to be more open or too whatever. I had expectations. Haley and I continue to drive up the 405, and I think one of those reasons when I got home that I was so eager to pull out those Christmas Legos was because this season that we're starting today, Advent, is about finding hope in the midst of unmet or, or displaced expectations. That's especially true as we look at the Isaiah text. Hezekiah was supposed to put the end of decades and decades and decades of oppression for Jerusalem. His people expected it. They looked for it. They, they waited for it. They hoped for it. And it didn't come. But then, almost eight centuries later, something or someone else comes and reminds us that the the wonderful counselor is really one who invites us to embrace change and to use our imagination, imaginations to realign our expectations and to trust God with those expectations. The world that, that Jesus entered when, when Jesus was born wasn't all that different from the world that Hezekiah lived in. But instead of the Assyrians or the Babylonians being the, the, the oppressing kingdom, it was the Roman Empire. And the people who clung to every word of Isaiah's prophecy had expectations of how Rome would be defeated. They, they had thoughts of this is how it's going to look. But Jesus came and he initiates a different type of kingdom. He delivers on those expectations, but it looked way, way different. So the title that we are exploring this morning, this title of of Wonderful Counselor, it would have carried a connotation for for those people who who read this prophecy, who looked forward this, of of a a royal leader, a royal leader who, who had the authority, who had the authority to set public policy. It's not a stretch at all to assume that for most people, this was a title that carried political significance. It was someone who, quite counselor, literally, someone who sets public policy. That, that's what the word meant. And yet, throughout Jesus' life, we see examples of how he lived into this role in a way that invites us to reframe, to reframe our expectations about how someone might set or change the way we live with one another. First, we see that uh, a wonderful counselor is wise. The, the story that, that's going to be told countless times over these next four weeks, both here and at, at other churches, comes out of mostly the second chapter of Luke. We know it well. Caesar issues the decree. Joseph and Mary, they return where? This is where you respond. It's not a trick question. They return to Bethlehem. They return to the inn in Bethlehem. Jesus is born. The shepherds come. The angels sing. We're going to hear that story over and over again as we should tell it over and over again over the next month. But the Christmas story doesn't stop there. Jesus is taken to the temple where where he's dedicated. And then Luke writes writes something that we usually just kind of gloss over. In Luke chapter 2, verse 39 through 40, we read, 
When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was on him. From an early age, he was filled with wisdom. Well on his way to being the counselor that his people needed, the counselor that really we still need today. He was full of wisdom. The grace of God was on him. And yet when Mark writes about the time that he returned to his hometown after out teaching elsewhere and he returns to his hometown, he's preaching in the synagogue. We're told that the people are shocked because this this isn't who we expected. Isn't that just the carpenter's son, they said? Isn't that just Mary's son, they said? Isn't that, that just James, Joseph, Judah, and Simon's brother? Who is this? And what is he, he teaching? The, the crowds that gather as Jesus preaches in the synagogue, they, they ask, how did he get so smart? Or as Eugene Peterson cha- translates Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 2, we had no idea he was this good. How did he get so wise all of a sudden? From the very beginning, Jesus was wise. But the people weren't, they weren't quite looking in the right place or in the right way. They expected it to look different. So maybe the challenge for us this Advent is to simply turn to Jesus more often or turn to Jesus in a different way to listen. Maybe you, you take Advent as a season to, to read your Bible, to, to read Jesus' teachings, and to kind of just sit with them for the next four weeks or so. One of the, the best parts of having an Advent wreath at home is that it is a constant reminder to do that. Maybe this is the year you start lighting Advent candles. You haven't done it at home in the past. And you just sit with Jesus' teaching. After Luke reminds us that that Jesus is wise, he tells one of the only stories we have of Jesus' youth. And it reminds us of the unique authority that, that Jesus carried. Jesus travels with his family when, when he's youth to, to, to uh, Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, and after the festivities finish, Joseph and Mary, they they start on their way home, but Jesus stays back in Jerusalem. They they, they go back to look for him after three days. They they go back to to look for him, and and they find him sitting, kind of holding court with, with the teachers of the law, with the religious scholars. Now, whenever I I read about this story, I can't help but envision the time that my dad chaperoned the eighth grade East Coast trip that that used to happen for any kid who lives in California. They they were invited to go to the East Coast in eighth grade. And so my dad was chaperoning uh, the the trip to Washington, D.C. with my sister's class. And and he actually left one of his kids at the Lincoln Monument (laughs) and realized when they got back to the hotel, oh, shoot, we need to go go and get little Johnny who got lost following pigeons around the Lincoln Monument. It took Joseph and Mary three days to realize that that Jesus wasn't there. So parents, those moments of panic that you have in the grocery store or at the park when you can't find your kid for 30 seconds and it feels like three hours, you're in good company. 
Three days. Three days. Then Joseph and Mary do the same thing that, that any parent does when they, they lose their child. They scold him. Where were you? Where, where were you? And you can almost hear what I'd consider to be teenage angst in Jesus' response. Why were you looking for me? Duh. I was here. Where else would I be? I was in my father's house. This is what I do. This is who I am. Didn't, didn't you, you expected me to be somewhere else? Luke writes that they, they didn't understand. That they hadn't seen or heard him in this capacity before. And the religious scholars, they, they didn't understand either. How could this boy be holding court with them? If that's the case, something tells me if they didn't understand, something tells me it's okay if we approach Advent and without having all the answers as well. It's okay for us not to understand. Maybe this Advent season is, is the one where we realize that, that, that we don't have to have all the answers, that we don't have to be in control of everything. Maybe this is the season we submit to the unique authority of Jesus. In addition to, to being wise and carrying authority that, that can't always be explained, the wonderful counselor carried a degree of majesty that more often than not was actually seen as a threat. He held his own with the religious elite. He shared meals with the people he shouldn't have, the, the outcast. He, he taught in a way that made people feel uncomfortable. So after a while, as Luke writes in Luke chapter 19, verse 47 and 48, the, the chief priests and the scribes, the folks that were in charge of the religious world, they had had enough. They had had enough. The wonderful counselor was supposed to be a royal king who brought them comfort, who, who reinforced their way of life. And instead, and instead of being a threat to their adversaries, Jesus threatened them. Not someone who, who called, he wasn't supposed to be someone who called them to change or think, rethink the way that, that they thought this king was coming. So maybe as uncomfortable as it might seem, th this Advent season is an invitation to examine some of our own priorities, some of the expectations that we bring, to think through how we spend our time how we actually tangibly love our neighbors, or, or to set goals for the next calendar year in a different way. Maybe Advent is a time of learning to surrender for us. Really, the, the season of Advent should be a, a festive time. It, it should be. Full of, of Christmas Legos, full of, of Christmas decorations, full of gift giving and every sort of Christmas cookie or treat that you want. It should be. But it also needs to be a season that disrupts our regular rhythms, at least a little bit. One that invites us to examine our expectations and the image that we often create or accept of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. So my hope is as we continue to unpack this, this passage out of Isaiah, these titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, that we'll come to a place on, on Christmas Eve, where we don't just picture a baby born in a manger, but we, we grasp and, and think of a, a king sent on our behalf who invites us to journey with him.
Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for this season. May Advent be a time of celebration and a time where we align ourselves with what you want us to do personally and what you want us to do and be as a church family. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen.